0: Uh, There's a lot of big picture stuff in the book of Colossians. And then as you work toward the end, you get into some very... personal, uh, more specific things. In fact, Paul is going to talk about our relationships as believers with pretty much everybody we need to relate with. And I mean, he's going to talk about your relationship with your boss, your relationship with employees, your relationship with your spouse. Um, so we'll get there, but we need to do the high-level kind of worldview stuff with Paul first. Now, in this short letter, um, to boil this down, I would say Paul is dealing with reality. That's what he's dealing with. He he talks about the beginning of time, even before the beginning, even before the creation of the world. And then Paul talks about uh, the history of people here on planet Earth, and, and he's also going to talk about beyond. He's going to talk about our eternity as well. And the short letter, so it's about what was, what is, and what is to come, it's about well, it's about everything in this short letter. So, through the lens of faith in Jesus Christ, Paul is going to show us that the Christian faith really is that it is a picture of reality. Our story, the gospel, it makes sense of things. It makes sense of all things. It explains what's wrong out there in the world. More importantly, perhaps, it explains what's wrong in here, in my heart, in my mind, and why things are messed up the way they are. And ultimately, the Christian story Paul is going to show us tells us how God is making things right how this is a story of redemption in Christ Jesus. And so he's going to kind of uh, pull back the curtain for us and show us how ultimately everything comes together in Jesus. He really is the Alpha, the Omega. He really is the author, the perfecter of our faith. Science and spirituality are both servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, The material, empirical, The data, the things you can study through a telescope or under a microscope, all of that, anything you can look at with your two eyes, and then the spiritual world, the world of redemption and sin and guilt and love, the spiritual world, all of that comes together. Those realms come together in Jesus Christ. They find meaning. They find purpose in Christ. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 17, I want you to look at this verse. We're not going to be really diving into this one today, but I just wanted you to see this theme in the book of Colossians. Look at this. Paul says, the reality, however, is found where? It's found in Christ. Read that with me. The reality, however, is found in Christ. There's a lot packed into those few, few words. First, Jesus. Reality is in Jesus and then those two words in Christ very important words for Paul that we as believers find ourselves in this new world in this new story we find ourselves in Christ and that's how we understand everything in the world so let's get to our text this morning starting in the first verse of this letter to the Colossians this letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy, we are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossi, who are brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed Your lives the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So Paul is writing to this group of people who have had a significant shift in their story. In fact, they have bought into a new story. They used to follow one script, one screenplay, and now God has given them in Jesus Christ the gospel, the good news, a brand new screenplay. Now, here's the thing. Everyone is a believer. Everyone is a believer, just not in the gospel, okay? Um, Everyone has a story that they live by, that they trust in, something that makes sense of their world, something that gives them a reason to get up in the morning, something that gives them some sort of hope. The the gospel is one story, but it it coexists with many other stories in the world. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Uh, The Christian way of seeing things has a lot of competition. Um, There are a lot of stories going on out there. Uh, The father of, of modern Hollywood screenwriting is a guy named Robert McKee, and he has written the textbook, a book called Story, for people. If you want to write a Hollywood screenplay, you need to read his book. And while it is supposed to be kind of a textbook for writing a good screenplay, it really has insights about people. And so let me just share an insight or two from Robert McKee. First, he says this, he says, story is a metaphor for life. It takes us beyond the factual to the essential. Story. Your story takes you beyond the factual, all of the information, all of the data, to the essential. Because all of us, day after day, we get bombarded by data, if you will. By information and experiences, stuff like it's hot outside, the garage door wouldn't open this morning, my kid yelled at me, the electric bill is higher than usual, the divorce was finalized today. We get all of this information. Some of it is trivial and inconsequential. Some of it is is very important and impactful to our lives. And the key points out your story is how you make sense of all of this, okay? Now he continues... He says, story isn't a flight from reality, but a vehicle that carries us on our search for reality, our best effort to make sense out of the anarchy of existence. So story is incredibly important. Some scholars have said we are homo Narrans. We are narrative creatures. We live based on our story. The people in Colossae had had... This story shift. They had a new screenplay. The gospel was not the story they had grown up with. This worldview was not the way they had for most of their lives seen reality. The gospel had won them over. It had conquered them. It was now the way they were making sense out of their own lives and out of what was happening all around them. But everyone has a story. They, and Colossae, had been swept up by the story of Jesus. By, in other words, by the kingdom of God. It's kind of like one of those weird drawings you see these on instagram or facebook or twitter sometimes where there is a picture but if you stare at it long enough another picture emerges you see these things or or there's a painting and maybe hidden within the painting is another painting so here's a pretty easy one for you just put that one up now once you see what's hidden in the painting you've done this before i'm sure you can't unsee it Like for some people, it may take five or ten minutes. For some maybe it may just be right there. But once you see it, you can't go back to the world as it was before or the picture as it was before. Um, So there are these faces embedded in the painting. There are these things that once you see them, you can't unsee them. And by the Spirit of God, these folks in Colossae had seen the living Christ. Okay? They had not been actual eyewitnesses, but they had seen and experienced the power of the resurrection, the power of the image of the invisible God, the Imago Dei. They had seen that, and they could not go back to unseeing it. Now everything around them made sense through this kingdom lens. Jesus was kind of everywhere in Everything. He was in the sunrise. He was in the marketplace. They saw and experienced Jesus in their sufferings. They saw and experienced Jesus in their successes. The gospel had become the lens through which they saw the world. Greg Kokel wrote a very good book last year called The Story of Reality. Listen to what he says about this Christian story, this Christian worldview. He says, Christianity is a worldview worldview the Christian view is not the only way of viewing the world. Of course, it has competition. Every religion and every secular philosophy claims to represent reality in a true and accurate way. Indeed, every person has a view like this of some sort. Everyone has in his or her mind, a story about the way the world actually is, even if they haven't thought about it much or worked out all the details. Um, so, know this everyone's a believer, everyone has faith, everyone has a story which for them makes sense of things. But not all stories are created equal. And we know this. There are better stories and worse stories. There are stories that really explain things and stories that are mere superstition, are mere falsehood. And this is kind of really boiling this down. I mean, super rudimentary, but here are two essential ingredients of a good story. A good story, at least a story to live by, needs to have these two things. One, it needs to be internally consistent, okay? Uh, it's very troubling, stressful, upsetting when the story that you live by is not internally consistent. Okay, When there are contradictions within that story. The second thing is a good story needs to be let's say, externally consistent. In other words, it needs to. your story needs to match up with the data that's coming in. It's like, yeah, yeah, this supports my story or this at least fits with my story. Those are kind of the, the two basic filters of what it takes to have a good story. Obviously, there's more. Now, fictional stories, fictional stories, like you go to the theater and you watch the Avengers or you watch Star Wars, what really matters with those, among other things, is just that first one, Okay, we don't expect Star Wars to match up with what's going on out in the real world, but we do expect things to be consistent. Okay? We get to know the characters and we expect them to act in a certain way and we expect that world to behave in a certain way, but the stories that you and I need to actually live by, okay, our worldview, those need to not, not only be consistent, but they need to match up with the data. They need to match up with what's actually happening in the world. So everyone's got a story everyone has a worldview and everyone tends to think that their story is the best one it's the right one to explain how things really are reality okay why is this important well it means like i said it means everyone has faith christian you're buddhist you're muslim you're an atheist everyone has a certain kind of faith they believe in something Uh, They believe that their story that they have chosen is the best one to live by and represents reality in the truest way. Now, about 2,000 years ago, we've got this Galilean carpenter named Jesus. He comes on the scene with a story that literally changed the world. I mean, millions, I mean, billions of people have decided the story of this 33-year-old Jewish carpenter is the one that represents reality. It is the most hopeful, true story out there. And it's interesting, right? As you read the New Testament, the power of the day, Rome, decided it was going to quash that story. And within a few centuries, actually took a knee and surrendered to that story. And Rome declared Christianity. No, Christianity is the truth. Jesus really is the Lord. In fact, organized the calendar around B.C. and A.D. Everything centered, even time centered around the life of this Galilean carpenter. So the gospel story, Paul invites us to build our lives on this story. uh, The one that explains everything Uh, the one that can carry you forward, the one that can carry you even beyond the grave. The gospel story is the best story that the world's got, the best story that the world has ever had or ever will have. It's not just a true story. Paul is going to argue the gospel is the true story. It is the story of stories. Everything hinges on this. And so in the beginning of the letter, We see three things that are kind of, I think you could say, unique about our story. And the first thing that Paul tells us about our story is it is a personal story. The gospel is a personal story. In other words, our faith is not really a faith in something. Our faith is a faith in someone. Right? Our faith is about our relationship to Jesus. That's how Paul defines himself. He'll say in another place, for me to live is Christ." To die, more Christ, or gain, right? And he opens the letter and he says, I am Paul. I am an apostle of Christ Jesus. That's who I am. That's my story. Now, for some, Christianity, it can be about a lot of things. Christianity can be about what's good for the kids, I mean, I've had parents go, I want my kids to be here at church because they learn good values and they meet nice friends at church. Uh, for some, Christianity, it, you know, can be, about, can be about religion. It can be about, you know, I need to, I need to do the right things, check the right boxes, kind of. Um, do this, give the right amount, show up at the right places, uh, not say bad words, and then I'll be okay with God. But for, Christ, for Paul, rather, Christianity is about Christ, Right? You take the Christ out of Christianity, and you're left with anity, and anity's never helped anybody, okay? You need Christ in the middle of your story, and Paul says that's how this story works. Our story is not about ideology. It's not about philosophy. It's It's not about religion. Our story is about someone. It's about Jesus, not something, Now we are, this is kind of hard for us because what we're told from the cradle onward is that we are the center of the show. It's all about us, right? We are the stars in this drama. Christianity comes along and it informs us we are just bit players in God's great drama. The truth is, in this true story, our success, our salvation... Our satisfaction, it's all tied up in our relationship to the Lord, in Jesus, in Christ. And so the gospel is also unique. So it's personal. It's also unique. And I know you've thought about this before, but unique in terms of how pervasive the story is. And what I mean by that is this is a unique story in that it speaks to people all over the planet, different socioeconomic levels, different educational levels, different languages, different cultures, right? It's pervasive. So, number two, there are countless worldviews and philosophies, you know this, all around the world, but the gospel speaks to everyone on planet Earth, or it has the ability to speak to everyone on planet Earth. Paul reminds the Colossians this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. The story, the one where Jesus is the hero. The story of the Son of God coming to earth and his death, his burial, his resurrection. It had come to Colossae, and now it was going out all over the world. So, I think it's interesting, at least week one, to talk about, so who are these folks in Colossae? Who are these people? Um, essentially, I think this is a good thing to remember when you get into these epistles, we are reading someone else's mail, Right? I mean, we've opened their mail. In fact, Paul is going to tell us this uh, at the beginning of the book, right? I mean, he says this in verse 2. He says, we, me and Timothy, we are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae. So, obviously, we believe the Holy Spirit has things to tell us through this inspired literature. But let's remember, they're writing specifically to these people in this situation in this city. And I'm not going to lie to you, Colossae, not glamorous, Okay, not not a destination location, not a world class city, not a particularly wealthy city, not an influential city, just a town. Okay, these are regular folks here in Colossae. It would have been a place, though, since they had been in the middle of Greek and Roman culture now for centuries, it would have been a place where they would have been familiar with Greek philosophies that were out there. Uh, Gnosticism was really popular at this time, a kind of a knowledge unlocks the keys to life. That's what Gnosticism kind of was. Uh, there were mystery religions, which were basically kind of boutique faiths that were self, self-help self kind of faiths. They would have, uh, some of them, been members of some of these, been part Part of these, Uh, these had been the stories they had grown up with. Uh, But, uh, you know, some folks in the church there came to Jesus with little to no religious background... Uh, maybe some of them did have a little bit of Jewish background or a lot of Jewish background, Um, but they had come from all these diverse kind of walks. Uh, But everyone would have been, in Colossae, in a town like that, would have been exposed to a lot of different world views throughout their lives. Um, And it's a reminder, as Paul tells them, this is a planetary this is a cosmic story this is a story that is not a texas-sized story it's not a american-sized story this is the story he uh, you know that's his story that's what he tells them in colossians and jesus he's only picking up on what the lord told us in matthew 26 verse 13 jesus says the gospel is preached throughout the world not just in galilee not just this is a story for everyone and the star of our drama, he's not the Baptist Savior. He's not the community church Savior. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Savior of all people. Interesting. If you really pay attention to what goes on in the Gospels, like in here's a, here's a story that uh, I think is very interesting, an encounter. Jesus, John chapter 4, Jesus encounters a group of Samaritans. Okay? These are not Jews. These are not Christians, right? Um, he encounters this group of Samaritans. And after they meet Jesus, listen to what they say in John 4, 42. They say, we know that this guy is really the Savior of the world. Not just his disciples, not just the Jews, but even some, all of us are included. This story is pervasive and then finally, probably the biggest understatement of the morning, I would just say uh, our story is uniquely powerful. That's what Paul's going to tell them. It is a powerful story. Wherever the gospel, even today, wherever it is received, wherever it is embraced, the gospel transforms people's lives. And they knew it because. Their lives have been changed. Paul tells them in verse 6, it is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. This week, I think, was kind of a reminder Going back to not every story, not every story being equal. There are better, there are worse stories. Um, Look, you can live a life that, by all appearances, 99.9% of the world would trade places with you today. You're a celebrity, you're rich. You're influential, you're good looking. You're a designer or you're a gourmet chef or but ultimately a story that's not based on reality that's not based on the DNA of the universe the Christ who created and sustains all things. It's a story that leads to despair. It's a story that doesn't work. And Paul tells him Colossians, you know this story works from day one. The Spirit of God has been at work in you, changing your lives. Your marriages are changing. The way you do your jobs is changing. The way you talk, the way you behave, everything in Christ is becoming different, transformed by the power of God. And as we finish, I would say this is Paul's point this morning. It's not so much that you welcomed Jesus into your life, Colossians. It's that Jesus welcomed you into his. I'm not here to tell you to accept Christ into your heart, but rather to tell you Christ is welcoming you into his heart for you to live and breathe and hope in Christ maybe you need prayers this morning about something in this world that is troubling you that's gone gone horribly wrong someone that you care about who's struggling we would love to pray with you or you can just get together with somebody and pray this morning maybe you want to join the story the gospel and enter into the life that Jesus is inviting you into you can believe on his name you can repent of your sins, of that wrong trajectory of your life. You can be baptized, just immersed. I love that image of being in Christ. Baptism is an immersion into Jesus. You could do that this morning. However you respond, do that as the Lord leads you. Let's stand together and worship together.